Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Faith in $5. $5, six countries, four months, and a one-way ticket to southern Russia. This is a book about faith, obedience, and miracles by Jonathan Nowlin. I hope you enjoy this reading of Faith in $5. Chapter 3. Do You Trust Me? I was not what the traditional Christian world would have called a top-tier candidate for foreign missions work. Looking back on this experience and my early days of serving on the mission field, I can echo many great men of God who have said, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. It seems true that all God really is looking for is availability and obedience. The Bible makes this clear in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when Paul says, Quote, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I'm comfortable with this scripture. I always believed it was okay to not be God's number one choice. I'm convinced I was somewhere back down the line of desirable candidates but God was able to make his grace sufficient for me and allow his power to dwell in me. My qualifications were that I was willing and available, and I was consumed with the kingdom of God. Despite my long hair, terribly unfashionable clothing, and exotic jewelry, inside the place where God sees us, I was deeply committed to Jesus and consumed with him, his kingdom and his glory. It soon became apparent that even my senior pastor in Salem, Oregon, had little regard for or understanding of my life and calling in missions. After returning from my initial field assignment to Ukraine in the summer of 1993, I'd been invited by my college pastor to share some testimonies from my recent experiences on the field. As I shared a few highlights from the trip with the whole church, my college pastor jumped up and added, Jonathan has preached to tens of thousands, and many thousands have come to the Lord through his ministry. I hadn't told anyone besides him about the scale of the revival we had been privileged to be a part of in Ukraine. Truly, thousands had come to Christ, and many were healed and delivered in that outreach. As my college pastor made his statement to the church, I could see my senior pastor's face staring at me in disbelief. He was muttering over and over the words, I never would have guessed. From my outward appearance at the time, any average Christian leader would have labeled me as not that guy. He's not the number one choice. Although I knew at the time that people viewed me this way, and I knew that this was largely due to my questionable fashion choices and hairstyles, I also knew that inside I was consumed by the Lord. I realized that all those years of fashion atrocities were just God's plan to keep me from any chance of getting married until I met my perfect match. All things work together for the good of those who believe and are called by his name, right? 
I believe I connected with the heart of God for the lost for the first time when I was 16 years old. I was standing on a balcony in Ukraine overlooking a completely lost, unreached city. It was 1990 and the wall had just fallen in Eastern Europe. I was traveling with a team of teenagers ministering through Eastern Europe, Ukraine, and Russia for the summer. As I stood on the wall overlooking the city, I was mesmerized, watching all the people swarming the streets. As I watched, my heart began to break and I began to weep quietly. All I could think was to pray out, Oh God, what can we do? Looking back, this quiet prayer, What can we do? is what changed everything. No longer was the world's condition someone else's problem or God's responsibility alone. My spirit was willingly being fused to the purposes and plans of God by stating that we needed to do something, not just, God, you need to do something. I really believe that God took me up on this prayer, and together we began to do something. I found that the things that were burning on God's heart began to burn into my heart like a branding iron, and I was never the same. So God had clearly called me to do this impossible outreach. With man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I was one week away from departure, and I still had no money. Mike had a return ticket to England and no funds beyond that. I needed a round-trip flight to England, and then Mike and I additionally needed to fly from England to Krasnodar, then on to St. Petersburg, then by train to Latvia, to Belarus, to southern Russia. After that, we were to fly to Moscow, then to Israel, and back to London. In addition, we needed funds for food and housing along the way. Only God could do this for us. What happened next began a series of miracles that quite literally shaped the rest of my life. Although our team went on to accomplish much good and effective ministry during this wild adventure, the subplot of God's intervention that I observed throughout my experience overshadows even the ministry we worked so hard for. The subplot I observed was the hand of God moving mountains to show his faithfulness to those who would hear and obey. The first sign of God moving the heavens on my behalf was a phone call. A call rang into our office and one of my team members handed me the phone. To my complete surprise, it was one of my former high school teachers on the line. I had not spoken to this particular teacher since shortly after graduation, but he was aware of my mission endeavors through my regular newsletters. As this particular trip had come up suddenly, I had not sent out communications about the trip yet, and I was surprised when the first thing he asked me was, do you need money? I knew he was a Christian, and I knew that he wasn't someone who would joke about something like this. No greetings or pleasantries, just the question, do you need money? When I didn't immediately answer it, he went on to say that he had just inherited money from a relative unexpectedly, and God had spoken to him clearly and said, give Jonathan $700. So, in an act of impressive obedience, he had immediately called me. When he mentioned the exact figure of $700, I knew that the hand of the Lord was at work right before my eyes. The fact was that I needed exactly $700 to purchase my round-trip flight to London, and this sum would be just enough to also purchase a one-way connection from London to Krasnodar in southern Russia. A week earlier, I had gone to a travel agent and reserved the flight I needed to London and had also booked the one-way flight into southern Russia. 
I reasoned that I would book the minimum flights required to accomplish what I believed the Lord had set before me to do. The travel agent was justifiably skeptical as we completed the booking. She said, I'll sell you this itinerary only because I know that you YWAM missionaries always make it back somehow. She made it clear that she was technically not supposed to sell one-way tickets into Russia, especially not into a volatile region like southern Russia. So when I received this call from my former teacher, who had received the word of the Lord to give me $700, I couldn't respond for a minute as the exactness of the dollar amount sank in. Of course I said yes, I needed the money. I told him, hold on and I'll be at your house in 30 minutes. At this point in our waiting for the provision of the Lord, the faith of even our stout-hearted team had begun to waver regarding whether or not Mike and I would actually make it on this assignment. I borrowed a car and raced over to my former teacher's home to pick up the check. I only had one hour to get to the travel agent in order to complete the purchase for my one-way flight to southern Russia. It was 4 p.m. on Friday afternoon and the travel agency closed at 5. My flight was scheduled to depart on Monday from Seattle. In addition, we had to begin driving to Washington State early on Saturday morning because we were scheduled to help Faith pack for her departure to Russia. As I raced to the travel agency, I suddenly realized what I was about to do. I was about to head into southern Russia on a one-way flight, completely cut off from support, phones, or communication, and with no local on-the-ground support. In addition, I had no money to live on, much less to complete this over four-month assignment. We didn't have credit cards in those days, and even if we had them, no one in Russia would have accepted them. There were also no ATMs, few functioning banks, nor any other means of accessing money once you were there. You only had what you carried in with you. So if I arrived there with no funds, I would have no way to get any money unless God sovereignly provided. As I drove across town, I heard the Lord clearly say to me, Do you trust me? Do you trust that if I'm able to get you there, I can get you back? I did trust him and I told him so. After this exchange with the Lord, the thought crossed my mind that I should stop and call my parents to let them know what I was planning to do. They knew about the upcoming trip and also that I had no money. I stopped to use a phone to call my mom. I explained what I was planning to do and what I believed the Lord had said to me. As a veteran missionary herself who had done equally crazy things and with three kids, she really couldn't oppose the plan. All she said was, that's nice, honey. We don't have any money to help out. So if you get stranded somewhere, don't call us. I actually had to laugh out loud when she calmly made this statement. There wasn't going to be any way to call anyone from Russia anyway. So I rushed off and made it to the travel agency with 15 minutes to spare. I hadn't even had an opportunity to cash the check for my teacher before I arrived at the agency, so the travel agent actually let me sign the check over to her on the spot to pay for the flights. It was exactly enough. I left the travel agency with only hours to pack and get ready to leave the next morning. God was just in time and with just enough. One of the life lessons I learned during this experience was that God is looking for people who are willing to go all in to obey Him. So many times in our lives we pray things like, God use me, or we make statements like, I want to reach the world for Christ and complete the Great Commission. While these are noble prayers and right responses which flow from our passion for the Lord, we often are not willing to do what needs to be done or to take a step of obedience when it seems that step may take us off of a cliff.
The principle I have learned over the years is that the Lord is honored when we are willing to at least fall in the right direction when he leads us to step out. Most often, the proverbial ducks never do line up. Sometimes the ducks of that old American adage even seem to get under your feet and trip you up. Go as far as you can in the direction you are called with whatever God provides. Sometimes, as I learned on this outreach, there doesn't appear to be any provision. That is not and cannot be a reason not to obey when you know him who has called you. If you truly know him personally, it means that you have experienced him and know the truth about his good and faithful character, that he will never leave you or forsake you. He is the good shepherd and he always leads you to the green grass and provides for your life and your soul. If you have not ever allowed yourself to be put in a situation where there is no other option than to put your trust in Christ completely, not just for salvation, but for your very life, you are missing out. You have to invite this quality of a walk with God, especially if you come from a developed country and have the means at your disposal to fortify your life. The world system seeks to misuse wealth for the purpose of building a safe and predictable fortress around a vulnerable existence. Each of us has a built-in desire for safety and security. The problem arises when we allow the deep needs of this inherent instinct to be met by material securities rather than by the faithfulness of God. Moreover, material security can easily become a manifestation of distrust in our Lord, an indictment against His character, and a disbelief of the promises in His Word. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast. Presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.